You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome, 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 friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. Welcome to the weird side of history today, friend. We are at top tier level weird because we are in fact talking about the man behind the name that has become synonymous with excess debauchery and shenanigans of epic proportions. The man, the myth, the monster, Caligula. Before we get into that, I'd like to thank you for helping For the Love of History podcast reach a new download record last month. In one month, we surpassed 4,000 downloads it in March. And that may not sound like a lot, but for an independent podcast run by yours truly and yours truly alone, it means the absolute world to me. Thank you so much. And I hope we can break that record again this month too. So if you could do me a favor and send this or any episode to a friend or colleague or your dentist, I would really appreciate it. The more history BFFs we have, the more opportunities for the love of history can have to grow. So thank you so, so much for all of your help. I wouldn't be here without you, but enough of that. Let's get weird. So grab your most decadent snacks and your best bed sheets for a cheeky little toga moment and let's get to it. Fun fact, right off the bat, Caligula is not his real name. It's actually a nickname given to him by the soldiers that he grew up around. Caligula now sounds like a terrifying guttural name, like Caligula. It just pours out of your mouth like sludge, or at least that's how it is for me. But the meaning of Caligula is nowhere near as scary as it sounds. In Latin, it actually means Little boots. (laughs) I know. How cute is that? Adorable. Caligula's real name is Gaius Caesar Augustus Germanicus, which is, it's a mouthful. And for the sake of ease, we are just going to call Gaius Caesar Augustus Germanicus Caligula. Sometimes I will refer to him as Little Boots because I just love that name. (laughs) So before we get into the weird, let's dive a little bit into the life of Little Boots when his boots were indeed little. Like myself, Caligula is an August baby and was born on August 31st, 12 CE in modern day Italy. His parents were a super couple. His mother was Agrippina the Elder, and his father was Roman General Germanicus. This power couple is like if the Kennedys and the Rockefellers and like Beyonce and Jay-Z all became one family. They were like the people in Rome, other than Augustus and Tiberius, who were the Roman emperor and successor. Caligula, his superstar mom and dad, and his siblings were living their lives having a great time, off at war, living among Germanicus's soldiers while they were out campaigning. Little Caligiwigi was a baby superstar and was a fan favorite among the soldiers. He was like their little mascot with his own tiny little soldier uniform and boots, which is where his nickname came from. Things were peachy keen for Little Boots and his family until they were very much not okay. So prepare yourself for the historical tea because things are about to get piping hot. 
Okay, so the first Caesar, Augustus, told his successor Tiberius to adopt Germanicus to strengthen the line of secession. Sounds great. NBD, no big deal. Germanicus is already Tiberius's nephew, so it should be fine, right? Except it was not. It was not fine for Tiberius because he already had a son who was just a few years younger than Germanicus. He had the line all taken care of. So Tiberius was like, um, no thank you. The line is good. But here's the other thing. Tiberius was Augustus's adopted son, and Augustus did not like Tiberius. But he was the least objectionable choice for successor because Augustus only had one biological child. She was a girl, and you know how that goes. So Augustus was being a little sneaky with the whole adopt Germanicus thing, and Tiberius was pissed, but he did it anyways. Because Augustus is like the emperor, so you can't say no to that. Now, this is the part that is strictly rumor. While in Epidaphne, a city in ancient Syria, Germanicus spontaneously fell ill and suffered agonizing pain for a few days before passing away on October the 10th, 19 CE. Was this a crazy virus or poisoning? Lots of people thought it was poisoning because of the whole adoption debacle. This included Agrippina the Elder, and she campaigned hard to push this narrative. She was convinced that Tiberius had had Germanicus poisoned. She pushed and pushed until she was exiled along with one of her sons, Nero, and her other son, Drusus, Drusus, Drusus III, was imprisoned in Rome, and later the two were executed. Agrippina herself would die of starvation while exiled. So what about Little Boots? He and his sisters were spared because Caligula was just like seven years old, and his sisters apparently posed no threat. Caligula and his sisters would never see their mother again, but things would get worse, much worse for them before they got better. Caligula and his sisters were left with nobody except for a handful of distant relatives which they lived with until Tiberius summoned him to Capri. You see, Tiberius was a shit ruler and extremely paranoid, so he hid away on the island of Capri and did all sorts of terrible, horrible things like the treason trials where he would just push people off of cliffs for funsies because he thought they were being treasonous. Caligula's life on Capri was full of mind games, deceit, treachery, and just trying to stay alive while being a prisoner slash guest of the man that had his mother and brothers killed and possibly his father murdered. If that's not a recipe for future mental health issues, I don't know what is. Caligula lived like this for years until Tiberius mysteriously died leaving Caligula and his cousin Gemellus as co-heirs to the Roman Empire. Okay, so uh, who is this Gemellus guy, TK? I know, friend. I know. There's a lot of names. We're like less than 10 minutes into the episode. Roman history is weird and complicated, and there's a lot of adoption things going on and people getting killed and stuff like that. But history is messy. And we don't really need to worry about Gamelus too much. Even though he was co-ruler, he, he didn't really do a lot, all right? So, 
he's fine. We'll put him in the corner. So for the first six months of his reign, Little Boots, who was now Big Boots, had a great go at things. People loved him. Germanicus was a fan favorite of the people, so to have his son as the new emperor, they were delighted. He stopped all of the shady shit Tiberius had done, like those treason trials, and he started building stuff. He held lots of games and parties and things, and people were stoked out of their minds. And his co-ruler, Gamelus, was alive and chillin'. All was right in the world, until Big Little Boots fell ill. Six months into his reign, Caligula got real sick real fast, and everybody freaked out. How could this happen? Our shiny new emperor was taken out after only six months? The people, and particularly the Roman Senate, were sure that somebody had pissed off some gods or goddesses, and they started making all of these desperate kind of showy pleas to the people in the sky for Caligiwigi's full recovery. They begged for him to be spared, saying, take me instead. One senator said that he would fight as a gladiator if only the gods showed mercy on Caligula. Another one said that he would jump from a bridge if it meant Caligula could live. It was giving the same vibes as like when people tweet shallow and showy things after a tragedy or when like somebody gets sick or something like that. Very much performative vibes. But the gods must have been listening because Lil Boots made a full recovery. Now, I use air quotes because uh, around full recovery because the man that returned was not the same happy-go-lucky Caligiwigi. He had entered his villain era. Something was off. Caligula and the Senate had gotten along great for those past six months. But as soon as he was able to, he began tormenting the Senate. And he had Gemellus executed for like nothing. He started his torment off by summoning all of those, oh, take me instead, senators, and saying, okay, you said you would give your life for mine, and I'm alive. So it's time to pay up, dudes. Take your life. And he scared the ever-living poop out of these dudes. And, and then ended up saying, JK, ju just kidding, you don't have to kill yourself. And then remember the gladiator guy? Well, he did have that senator dress up as a gladiator and fight a few rounds until he dropped from exhaustion. And bridge guy? He took bridge guy to the bridge and made him think that he was going to push bridge guy off. But at the last minute, Caligula was like, meh. It's cool. I'm just joshing. What? What? But the torment of the senators didn't stop there. He slept with their wives. He made them run alongside his chariot for hours. He allegedly killed two of them when they forgot about his birthday. It was bananas. The senators said that he had double standards for everything. They never knew what he was going to do. And his changed behavior didn't stop with how he treated people, nay, nay. His short four-year reign was jam-packed with madness worthy of his modern reputation. Big long books, several documentaries, and countless articles have been written about Caligula's four-year reign of terror. This episode could be four hours long, but you and I both know that that's not how we do it here. That's not how we do things. My delicious little donut. 
I promised you weird stuff. So let's talk about the weird stuff. We're going to skip over a few things, but if you want a deeper dive into the life of Caligula and like what was going on, I'll leave some resources in the show notes for you to look at at your leisure. So Caligula's odd and sadistic behavior unfortunately extended past tormenting the Senate. He loved to use his seemingly limitless resources to create incredible and very stupid things for himself. And I don't like to use the word stupid, but some of the shit that he made was just, it was just stupid. For example, there was a prophecy that said Caligula would more likely ride a horse over the water between the towns of Puteoli and Baie, and he allegedly built a three-mile-long floating bridge between the towns by basically using a ton of Rome's boats and strapping them together, and then rode his horse across this floating bridge and did so for a few days, holding up these important ships from doing their jobs and supposedly causing a grain shortage. Dumb. Just dumb. Fun, but dumb. Now, there's no hard evidence of this, so some historians dismiss it as a myth, but there is cold, hard archaeological evidence of another boat-related shenanigan, and that is Caligula's pleasure barges, his orgy boats, his floating red-light districts, his tug, tugboat, if you will. Well, that was a bad one. <laughs> For a long time, people were like, no, 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 no. There's no way Caligula built a giant luxury ship for his horizontal activities. How could this be a real thing? But in 1929, something bananas happened. Freaking Mussolini was obsessed with Rome, and he ordered Nemi Lake to be totally drained. The whole ass thing to be drained. And guess what they found. Not one, but two. Two big-ass orgy boats. Mussolini found Caligula's orgy boats. (laughs) What? History is so weird, friend. History is so weird. Who, Who could write a more weird story than that? But it doesn't stop at boat bridges and orgy boats. The man loved to make shit. He also loved his horse. So why not combine the two and make a little multi-story house for his horse? Which he totally did. He drank with his horse. He gave his horse more love than all of his senators and even his own wife. He often reminded people that he could do whatever he wanted, which included creating a house for his horse, giving his horse servants, and drinking with his horse at parties. Reminding people that he could literally do anything he wanted to was another thing Caligula loved to do. Because nobody could stop him. Seutonius, Caligula's biographer, wrote about Caligula's favorite thing to say, something that he repeated often, which was, remember that I have the right to do anything to anybody. He apparently said this all the time. He literally thought that he was a god. He not only dressed as gods and demigods like Hercules, Mercury, Venus, and Apollo, but he also 
literally thought that he was Jupiter. Like literally, literally thought that he was Jupiter. And he wanted a statue of himself depicted as the god Jupiter to be put in a Jewish temple. And not just any Jewish temple, the most holy Jewish temple, the temple of Jerusalem. And have the whole thing turned into a shrine dedicated to him, the god Jupiter. Thankfully, that did not happen. But the pure audacity, the pure audacity of this man. But despite his audacity, Caligula was a very sensitive man. As many asshats in history, his ego was very fragile. I'm talking sugar glass fragile. The man allegedly made it illegal to talk about goats in front of him because he was so sensitive about the fact that he was tall, pale, and very hairy. But at the same time, he worked really hard to look ugly and scary by practicing terrifying facial expressions in a mirror and trying to dress up in women's clothing to make himself look otherworldly and inhuman. Now, this is no problem at all. Wear what you want. Live your life. I love that. But in ancient Rome, the emperor putting on women's clothing and dancing about was a big no-no. His other biographer, Cassius Dio, wrote that he wanted to appear to be anything rather than a human being and an emperor. Caligula also seemed to have a beef with the ocean. Once, he took his whole army to the sea, declared war on Poseidon, sailed out a little bit into the ocean, then returned to shore where he told his soldiers to stab the sea and throw spears into it. Then he declared that they had won, and he told the whole army to collect seashells, as many as they could, in their helmets. Dear one, I, I can't make this up. <laughs> Trained Roman soldiers collecting a shit ton of seashells after trying to beat up the ocean? I, I, have, I have no words. <laughs> and usually it's a good rule of thumb to not piss off the military, right? Like as a leader, you want to be on the same page as the people with the swords, correct? Yes, ruler 101? Well, let's have a, a quick pop quiz, dear one. Did Caligula A, play nice with a top dude of the Roman Praetorian Guard, or B, tease the living shit out of him like a middle school bully? Ding, ding, ding. The answer is B. He was a total and utter asshat to an officer of the Praetorian Guard named Cassius Kyria. Caligula mercilessly. I mean merciless, merciless, I can't even speak. That's how merciless it was. <laughs> Bullied Kyria for, for like no real reason other than Caligula was a straight up dick. So this Kyria dude apparently had a bit of a, a high voice and Caligula, Caligula, oh my God, I Jeez. Caligula lost his shit over it. He made fun of this poor guy and mocked his voice. The man who made it illegal to talk about goats in front of him because he was sensitive about how hairy he was made fun of someone else. Classic bully bullshit. And it didn't stop there. Because why would it? If Kyria 
had to thank Caligula for anything. The emperor would hold out his hand as as the emperor does to be kissed, and then at the last minute, whip it away and like flip him the Roman Roman equivalent of the middle finger or another rude gesture. They also had like a daily password that Caligula and like the generals and other people had for some reason. I, I don't know why. And Caligula would tell Kyria that the password was rude things like little schlong or big old boobies or like I eat poop so that Kyria would have to say that to other people. Caligula teased this man and humiliated him any chance he got. But that would come back to haunt him and bite him in his Emperor Tukus, because on the 24th of January, 41 CE, Kyria would have his revenge. After attending the Palatine Games, where he sacrificed a freaking flamingo to kick off the event, Caligula was hungover and started to walk back to his rooms when he got separated from his guards. And Kyria popped up and stabbed Caligula in the freaking neck. And then others joined in and stabbed him a total of 30 times and thus ended the reign of Caligula the Mad. The legacy of Caligula's tyranny has lasted the tests of time. Some things have been embellished, other things completely made up as propaganda, and some things, like the sex boat, are undisputedly real. We may never know the true story and depths of his madness, or if it was madness in the first place. Some scholars hypothesize that he had epilepsy that caused him to have these extreme ups and downs. Others think that he suffered brain damage from a mysterious illness or that growing up around all that death, cruelty, and backstabbery caused trauma, which I feel like kind of like, yeah, like duh. But for now, we can only speculate about one of the most bizarre chapters in the big, big book of history. Well, my little history baby, we have come to our final thought. And I just wanted to add this last part because I thought it was so bizarre. We just got done talking about all of these terrible and weird things that Caligula did that one would assume that he was hated universally, that the people also didn't like him, but nay nay. The regular regular people loved him. For the everyday Roman, their life on the whole was better than it had been under the fist of the second Roman emperor, Tiberius. When Caligula was assassinated, the people were pissed as shit. And when the next emperor came to power, he had Kyria and the other conspirating assassinators rounded up and killed. And I really just feel bad for poor Kyria. Isn't history freaking bananas? Well, dear one, thank you so much for joining me today. I I love when we talk about the weird side of history. It makes me so happy. It brings me back to the days of when we talked about the devilish history of the fork and when the Pope uh, (laughs) excommunicated cats. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with your other history BFF and or leaving a rating or review because it really helps the algorithm gods that be tell other history lovers that For the Love of History podcast exists and directs them 
two for the Love History Podcast. You can leave ratings on Spotify now and on Google and pretty much all of the podcasting platforms. Just throwing that out there. And if you want to get your hands on some super cute For the Love of History merch, you can head to the link in the show notes. And if you've listened this far in the episode, there's a discount code for free shipping as a thank you for hitting that download record. Just check it out. Check it out in the show notes. It's going to be for thank you, all uppercase. Okay. Just just between you and me. (laughs) You can also support For the Love of History by joining Patreon. There are a lot of cool things that will be happening. So head over there for more History BFF goodness. And head over to Instagram to find out the dates for the first For the Love of History lecture. By yours truly, we're going to talk about samurai ladies. Thank you for spending time with me today. And before we go, remember to do something kind for yourself. Do it. Be nice to yourself because I love you. And drink your water. I'll see you next week when we talk about Egyptian tattoo history. Okay, love you. Bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>